0: Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from cluelessness to consciousness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Jeffrey Bodie. Jeffrey is a health and wellness advocate that uses his platforms to share plant-based food and lifestyle info. He runs his own blog, The Wealth of Health, where he talks about everything from socioeconomic issues and food poverty racism and health is veganism expensive and much more jeffrey and i talked about really important things like about how when you let go really amazing things usually start to happen or about how all change has to start somewhere i really am excited for you to hear this episode So thank you again for joining. I'm really excited to be talking to you this morning or this afternoon for you, I guess. (laughs) Um, So this podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And for me, that was this perfect embodiment of what I wanted to talk about. And it's those moments where we feel like we're really conscious and with it and we're totally killing it at life. And then those moments where we feel clueless and have no idea what's going on and everything in between uh, yeah. so I'm kind of curious to just check in with you and f- ask where do you feel like you are on that continuum right now
1: um I guess well especially it being an interesting time in the world at the moment um it almost makes you kind of zero in on a lot of your choices as well cause, you know you've got a lot of time at home a lot of time thinking to yourself so I guess there's that kind of space to think a lot about your choices from a, from a- as well mm-hmm. um whether that be your dietary choices lifestyle choices how you treat people you know you know family all those kinds of things it all kind of zeroes in so i think it's, it's an interesting time as i say on that spectrum i'm you know some days i can be really focused and conscious on what i'm doing and other days it's you know maybe not so much um so yeah it's all a bit of a, a bit of a balancing act at the moment but in terms of trying to maintain a, a decent level i'd say i'm trying to do my best there
0: yeah i think that's the thing that has been really interesting during this time and i've talked about this a lot but it keeps coming up just the idea of i think i used to think of it as like oh take it day by day or these last few months have made me really think okay everything is moment by moment yeah exactly exactly you know it switches so quickly of what's going on and how i'm feeling
1: yeah definitely which is why i always uh, there's a book that i've read called the power of now i'm sure you've Mm -hmm. maybe read Mm -hmm. about it but that when I read that book, that kind of really shaped my perspective in terms of just being in that moment and not thinking too far ahead about the next moment or thinking too uh, you know in in the past about what's previously gone on, and that changed that changed life a lot in terms of my perspective and how I looked at things. It's just maintaining that focus on this is what's going on in this specific moment, you know, take it for what it is, accept it for what it is, and then just live life like that. So.
0: Absolutely. It's been a while since I've read that. It might be time for me to pick it up again and and remind myself.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've definitely been meaning to uh, give it a second read for sure.
0: So your Instagram page is full of so much good information. Thank you. And is such a cool, informative place to learn. And then it led me to your blog, which we talked about the other day so i first want to just hear how did you become plant-based where did that start
1: well it's an interesting story which um i, I was thinking about it the other day as well because it's been a bit like, been a long journey in, in, in that in that aspect and i think where it started was my sister told me about a documentary called what the health on netflix and i mm-hmm. was i'd always been quite health conscious anyway i'd played a lot of sport growing up um, you know, I thought I was eating a healthy diet for an athlete, um, you know, taking my vitamins, my supplements and all that kind of stuff. And she told me about how this documentary looked at the links between diet and disease and a lot of the political aspects of, you know, government mm. taking subsidies from certain, you know, big industries for, you know, to, 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 move themselves forward. So it really kind of piqued my interest and I gave it a watch and I watched it once. And then I watched it the second time again with my now fiance. Um, and literally, overnight, cut everything out of my diet. Meat, dairy, eggs.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: I ate a lot of meat, dairy, eggs, and fish. Like, animal mm-hmm. products. Obviously, growing up in a, a Ghanaian household, where okay. meat is just the staple, every single, pretty much every dinner is meat, and every meal is, there's got there's an animal product on the plate. Otherwise, it's you know, essentially not a meal. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, just come completely cut everything out. And I think it was mainly driven by I'd say a couple of factors. So the health side of things in terms of knowing that I could maximize my longevity by cutting out animal products and adopting a plant-based diet. And then there was was other things in terms of um, civil rights issues, which I've now kind of been more vocal about on my page. So in the film, it does talk a lot about how certain areas in, especially in America, Mm -hmm. they almost like targeted people of color. Um, And a lot of the runoff from a lot of the uh, the agricultural waste is kind of pumped into these, you know, communities of color, raising their disease levels massively. Um, and I just didn't really want to be a part of that. I didn't want to partake in that in any kind of way. I mean, in terms of my personal health, I could probably get away with eating meat once a week, twice a week, probably will not do right. my health. But I just didn't want to be a part of, you know, supporting industries that I knew were doing so much damage on a human level, or on an ecological level to the environment. Um, Mm-hmm. It just didn't really sit right with me. So for me, it was just a, it was a very easy decision to make. Um, so yeah, pretty much an overnight switch and then took a couple of months, six to eight weeks to really kind of get an understanding of how to properly plan a plant-based diet. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, and, and again, now just, you know, still doing it, still thriving, still feeling great. And I immediately noticed so many different benefits from it. So, so.
0: What were the benefits you noticed? I, I, uh, read an article, that you wrote for the medium. Yes. And that talked about that, but can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so
1: the the immediate benefits that I noticed, my sleep was just unbelievable. So I'd always Mm. typically, I'd always try and chase like eight hours sleep, um, but I'd always feel tired in the mornings. I'd still feel tired. And I'd always have to have a nap during the day or at some point. But I've now just felt like I could just I'd go to sleep very easily and I'd wake up with energy. Like sometimes I didn't even have to use my alarm clock. I just jump straight out of bed with a lot of vitality mm. and energy, which I didn't have before. Um, I felt a lot lighter. I felt I had more energy during the day. In terms of my training in the gym, there was no difference there. Like, so I, I did actually notice that my recovery times got quicker from like heavy yes. kind of you know resistance training sessions um so yeah i think the, the sleep one was really interesting though because i'd always wondered why i was always so tired in the mornings because that didn't really work they, they didn't sit right with me i'd think you know eight hours sleep was more than enough so why am i tired but now i have right. seven hours sleep and i feel great in the morning so that's mm. been
0: great so sleep was the biggest was the biggest one for me yeah initial in that article you wrote which i really loved about this idea of consciousness and clarity of thought which i think you'd started to touch on Mm. um but i i related to that on how it kind of was this catapulting thing for me to open my mind to a lot of other issues can you talk a little bit more about that so
1: yeah i felt like just understanding where my food was coming from made me very inquisitive in terms of okay so now i understand that this is where my food's coming from what about other areas of life? What can I look at? What can I focus on? And as I said, the main thing for me was the initial, going into it was civil rights and health. But then I, was, mm. then I, then I took the next step and understood exactly, you know, how animals are treated in the industry and that kind of suffering that I didn't want to be a part of again. Um, and yeah, when I mentioned that clarity of thought, I just felt, I just, honestly, I just felt like a, a sense of clarity and just a clear headedness in in a kind of everything that I did. Um and I was always kind of I was always someone who was quite inquisitive and questioning things, but now I started doing it a lot more, you know, really kind of thinking critically about a lot of things. And I genuinely do feel that it had an impact. Um, just based on the, you know, the, the foundations of changing my diet. So so yeah, it's been a it's been a really interesting journey.
0: Speaking from my own experience, I think I had this initial reaction and and coming from someone who grew up with a lot of privilege, as I learn more and more about the fundamental issues in some of our like on a system level, yeah. there's that initial reaction of, oh my gosh, everything I know is a lie. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly.
0: Did you have that feeling with learning about the, you know, the food system, the agriculture system yeah. and just what we're taught about diet? Yeah,
1: definitely. I think that was, yeah, big, a big driving factor. I felt like we'd just been told the wrong things and a lot of marketing and I always so I drank a lot of milk as well so I think back to all the marketing campaigns with the milk mustaches got milk you know
0: all the athletes
1: athletes and, you know athletes that I looked up to and thinking you know if they're drinking it then obviously you know I'm, I'm gonna drink it and I'm gonna feel great so yeah I just felt like there were so many things and as you say you know you get to a point where you look at these things and be like well actually I've been told certain things which I've now done my own research on and they don't ring true so what else have mm-hmm. I been told that isn't true? So then you start becoming really inquisitive and, and not so much like from a inverted commas conspiracy perspective, but you just, because there's, there's so much that we have to unlearn and relearn and we, we all have that critical thinking power to look at something objectively and make our own decisions and informed decisions and It right. made me think that there's got to be other things out there that we've been told, maybe misled a little bit just to fulfill a certain agenda. Um, and as you say, in terms of what we've been told about diet, like it's interesting because one of my friends, um, went to America, when was this like 2012 and he kind of mentioned about the vegan diet to me. And I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure about that. Like where would I get my protein? How would this work? Blah, 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 blah. In in my mind, I imagined being just not being able to eat enough food. I just didn't, I didn't Mm -hmm. work. Because we've just been—it's been drilled into us. Meat, protein, milk, calcium—it's just been, we've been hammered with it for so long. Um, and then you open up your mind to that world of—you of know—the plant-based diet, and you realise that protein initially comes from plants, and so many different there are so many different plant sources of protein. So, yeah, it, it definitely made me think that you know we've been told a lot of things that don't ring true. So, what else is there that we could potentially unlearn and maybe relearn?
0: Absolutely. Something you touched on that I want to circle back to that has been important for my journey. I just think in general Mm. is this idea that you said you could probably get by health wise eating meat once or twice a week or whatever it is, but it sounds like you connected to the greater good. Yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that? Was that with veganism that you started thinking about like what your role was more overall? Exactly.
1: Because as you say, I think from a health perspective if i was to eat as i said 90 percent plants and maybe that that excess amount of calories from meat, it probably wouldn't impact my health at all but again Mm -hmm. think about the way you know government subsidies and all these different things and big you know food organizations and you know even certain health organizations promoting foods that are strongly linked with these you know degenerative chronic diseases i just didn't want to be a part of that kind of whole thing i just didn't want to be i didn't feel comfortable being a part of that and that's why it's an easy decision for me to make. And people, I get the, you know, the odd question of people going, oh, you're still vegan or how long are you going to be vegan for? And it's just like, <laughs> me, it's just something it, I can't ever see myself going back to eating meat for, for any reason. There would be
0: no mm-hmm. reason to do
1: it just based on the fact that, so when you think about certain civil rights issues and, you know, so all, all of these different things that really make you think that, and it's, it's obviously bigger than me, you know, as a personal right. perspective, I could get away with it, but I don't want to be a part of like, industries which are causing so much damage to certain pockets of, of society um, and the animals as well. So yeah, that's for me. It just didn't really make sense.
0: Well, and I think we often underestimate our own individual power.
1: Mm-hmm. I think so too.
0: In in doing in making these types of choices, and even just having conversations like this, and you know, maybe even if one person is listening and thinks a little differently, but you see those arguments online, why should I care about X, Y, Z? Really, whatever it is. It, specifically, I see this when environmental or food stuff, if all these other countries or all these other populations aren't. Mm. Like it's just the whole thing's a wash, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But it has to start somewhere. Maybe that's a little idealistic, but. Well, I think,
1: as you said, we we underestimate how much power we have as individuals, because if one individual goes oh, you know, I'm just one person. Think about if 2 million people say, oh, I'm just that one person, that's 2 million right. not having the opportunity to make a change. It all, it, all change has to start somewhere. You know, we're not gonna make, we're not gonna hit that home run straight away mm. when we're trying to make positive change. It's gonna be step by step. And it takes, you know, weeks, months, right. years, then so be it. We're never gonna arrive at that point that we want to straight away. Um, and I think, you know, cause we live in this culture of convenience where we want everything right away but people need to understand, make positive change and to make changes, it's gonna be that step-by-step process, so.
0: So Mm. you've mentioned a few times civil rights and how that was linked into your learning and your understanding and some of the things you've been posting on social media lately have been really important and um, critical thinking, I think, especially because veganism has been a pretty whitewashed space And I think that I don't, I mean, I don't know about the UK, but I think in the the US it has and yeah. And so I I would love for you to talk a little bit more about the conversations you've been starting about race and food. And some of your posts have not only come from a historical perspective, which I think was really interesting, but then also the current climate. So if we
1: I guess go on the basis of like food, food insecurity, for example, as I mentioned in, the, in America, there are a lot of food deserts right. which are primarily, you know, people of color. There's actually a film coming out uh, called mm-hmm. They're Trying to Kill Us, where they actually talk about how, you know, it's it's strategic in the way that they place, you know, certain food, certain fast food joints in these, you know, pop communities of color where there's no supermarkets for miles. So this is like the mm. only source of food that they have. And when you think of you know, there a lot of these statistics that I've, that I've been putting up recently as well, like black people up to 50% more likely to get cardiovascular disease. You know, 40% of, of yeah. upwards of black people between the ages of 20 and 45 have high blood pressure, uh, three to five t- more times more likely to have type two diabetes. So if you think that a lot of the, and a lot of these foods are obviously so strongly linked to having a poor diet. So if they're then putting these nutrition, uh, nutritionally deficient foods, into these communities, what's then going to happen? Those disease rates are just going to go straight up, chronic disease through the roof. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: and for me, that's something that I've been vocal about that. And obviously having even seen it personally with my, I guess my dad, you know, obviously been fortunate enough to not live in a food desert, but he's had, you know, certain cardiovascular events due to high meat consumption, for example. And I guess, you know, come back to um, yeah. in, in African culture where there's this high meat, uh, you know high meat consumption and, and that culture which doesn't actually correlate with the, the origins of our diet you know um, so yeah I think as I said from a civ- that civil rights perspective it is it's difficult to see that a lot of these food deserts you know in the United States and obviously in the UK as well populated mostly by black communities and low-income communities where they're not able to get access to healthy food and it just increases their disease rate so for me that's something that you have to be vocal about.
0: Absolutely so you had a post about the yeah. what you just yeah. touched on, the origins of the diet a little more. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I thought it was really interesting and something we don't talk about enough too.
1: Especially in African culture, we've been conditioned to believe that meat is the staple of our diet. Think back to, you know, even with mm-hmm. ancient Egypt, it was a lot of plant-based foods that they were consuming and a lot of the ancient grains come from like a lot of West African areas. So foods like fonio and teff, millet, these are all grains that are, you know, mm-hmm. local to, you know, these these countries on the continent. So, and meat consumption, there was some meat consumption. There's n- I'm not gonna say that we were fully plant-based. There was some, but nowhere near to the levels of what, right. what's being eaten now, which again is driving up those chronic disease rates. Um, so it's just about getting that kind of information out there because even coming across it myself, it was quite surprising because, you know, growing up in, in, in a garden household, it was just meat all the time. You know, you go to parties, uh, events, it's just meat law. Mm. So you think that's just how we're supposed to eat. Trace it back to the origins right. of, of you know our dietary frameworks. It's a lot more plant-based. A lot of grains, a lot of whole grains, uh, fruits, vegetables, all those types of foods. That and, and those are the ones that have you know kind of kind of you know left the diet essentially. And now um, I, I'm just trying to put that information so people can start to put them back in there. For, and mainly for health reasons. Because as I said, if people still mm. want to eat some meat, then that's absolutely fine. If, you know, but if you combine that with a diverse range of plant foods your health outcomes are just gonna be much better.
0: Did you, um, I'm circling back again, did you watch, I'm sure you have, The Game Changers? I did, yeah. Okay, that was, I think, such an important yeah. film it was, yeah. to be made because it was a really good perspective. And I think what was huge and eye-opening and I hope continues to grow is this idea of the the systematic issues yeah. and kind of like what you're talking about with food deserts and with not understanding origins of our diet and something they brought up was um marketing yeah so like marketing to those communities or just marketing in general that their example about how you know there used to be commercials with doctors smoking cigarettes okay. to promote which cigarette was like the best before doing a surgery exactly yeah um, so I think that that's another example, I guess, of one, really targeting certain communities with advertisements and um, information, but also just the systematic issues.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's something that, well. that, that's touched on in um, in the trailer that I saw of this film, They're Trying to Kill Us. Like the tobacco companies, alcohol companies, fast food companies, they actually target communities of color, it's, it's mm. all by design. If you put fast food restaurants in these communities, people are ultimately going to go um, and eat there. And then if you think about it from a socioeconomic perspective as well, a lot of these foods are within their price range of of these low income. Right. So they are, it's almost like even if they wanted to eat healthy, because these, these really poor quality foods are subsidized, that's what's in their price range. So they can't actually get the fruits and vegetables and the healthy foods. Mm. They know are ultimately healthier for them, but it's just not within their budget. So that, again, that's something that is really, it, it, it's just systematic targeting of certain communities because you know that they don't have the financial means to actually eat healthier. So they, you're, they're literally eating essentially what they what they have, what's in their price range, even though they know it's killing them.
0: So I believe you had a an article on your blog about is being vegan expensive? Yes. So can you talk a little bit more about that since we were just talking about, you know, access to food? Yeah, but I think
1: in the UK, we're getting an understanding of what people think that eating vegan is expensive, but that's when people are focusing on the the meat substitutes and all the the, the vegan ice creams and those kinds of things. Fruits and vegetables are actually relatively cost-effective. You know, beans, cheap, like canned beans are really cheap. Uh, rice, potato, Uh all these foods, like they're, they're all cheap. I think in, for us, from what the research that I've done in, you know, for example, food as it's in the U S those foods are for some reason spiked in price. And again, that's probably even more of a a clear, that's clear proof that they're trying to kind of price them out of the range of, you know, Mm. communities of color. So they're forced to eat certain foods, which are ultimately going to make them sick. And then you bring the pharmaceutical element into it as well. Where you've got, you know, that 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 industry thrives off people being sick. Ultimately,
0: absolutely, in terms
1: of medications and long-term drugs and surgeries and procedures. So yeah, it all ties in, and it's very, very. Uh, it's, it's a worrying situation.
0: Yeah, it's also when you start diving into it, the different connections between all the systems yeah. is a little overwhelming too. Exactly. I think like bringing in pharmaceutical and big ag agriculture and all those things Yeah,
1: exactly and for me it was that watching that film what the health is such an eye-opener understanding about how they're all interlinked um, and I guess like I said that's what kind of taking me on this journey just to put the information out there to people who may not be aware of it essentially
0: so is that what made you start using your Instagram and starting a blog and doing that thing is just really wanting to disperse information?
1: That's exactly it. For me, I think having this information that I know now, it's no good to keep it to myself. Mm. It's good to put it out there to people because if, if I can make, as I said, just one person make a positive change in their life, then I've done my job. But right. obviously my idea is to create a community, to create a uh, a movement essentially for people to just get healthier to eat more plant based food and it 's not not specific to you know people of color obviously even though that 's very very important to me, obviously anyone can make changes and be healthier in their lives but I say particularly if people of people of color just because of the 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 disease rates that we have you know right. the the propensity and the disproportionate You know amounts of disease that we have in our communities. For me, it's it's so so important to get that information out to people and not keep it to myself because keeping it to myself is no use.
0: I love that idea of well, I have this information. I might as well share it. Yeah, I think I think that's really beautiful.
1: Yeah, because I think ultimately, like my my definition of success is I guess how much you impact other people. That's the Mm. one. Impacting other people, and you know, I've had messages from people saying, you know they're always asking me certain questions and I've had messages going, oh, you know, you've been really impactful. Like some really, really humbling messages on Instagram that sometimes I don't even think I deserve because I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just sending the information out there. I shouldn't be congratulated or, you know, thanked for it. But it's, it is nice to hear that, you know, what I am doing is having a positive impact in people's lives. So I just want to just keep doing that. And as I say, keep growing the community, keep reaching more people with positive information. Because ultimately without your health, there's, there's not much else.
0: Yeah, it's such a baseline for everything, right? And I don't think we value that in our western culture. Yeah. In a way, even just the way we look at food as just this thing to shovel in yeah. at meals instead of looking at it as something that provides us nutrition and
1: Exactly. Exactly. But I think again it's because that's not the messaging that's been put out there. A lot of the food and a lot of the adverts that we see it's all linked to, you know, the enjoyment of food and how much how well it. You know, obviously, food tasting great is important. Right. But the fundamental, you know, the, the real point of food for me is to feel the body is to fuel the cells. It's to provide us with energy, provide us with vitality. Obviously it tasting great is a, is an amazing byproduct. And, you know, I love, I've loved cooking way more ever since going vegan. Like,
0: oh, me too. I
1: never was a cook much, but now I'm just, you know, creating so many different meals. And uh, again, that's something that I do love sharing as well. Um, and there's such a, a big vegan community where there's loads of different meals and we'll just you know share, share the food that we create just to inspire people to see what they can make
0: but you're right we were not given the message that food is medicine oh. weirdly enough no. so one of the things you talked about was can we trust the media hmm. for um nutritional yeah advice so i mean i think i i think we have some clues on where we're going with yeah. the answer to that but it's an interesting question and that's another one I think f- that's hard to, hard for many, myself included, and then beginning to wrap my head around. Like, why wouldn't I trust everything I've known yeah. about food?
1: Well, this is the thing, and I think because the media is such a, we almost can't get away from it, it's such a powerful entity on so many levels that people, when they see the, whether it's the news or something in the newspaper, they immediately just take it as gospel. Mm. I, I was probably guilty of doing that in the past as well you see a big you know news right. news channel you see someone wearing a suit they look like they know what they're talking about and you just take what they're saying you know they must be right so i guess i wrote that article just to kind of highlight a few things in terms of how the media almost they thrive on confusion because what it mm. does is it gains clicks it gets you know people buy the
0: newspaper
1: because if they run the same narrative about nutrition there's nothing you know people just get bored of that
0: Oh, they thrive on confusion. Say that again.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I think you know, one in one in one um, article you see about plant-based diet is great. In the next article, you see about oh, vegan diet is making you dumb. Then you see something about the keto. Then you see something about paleo. And then, because what they want, they want the clicks because that is important for their you know their longevity is a you know it's almost like an it's it's a, it's a sales plan for them essentially. Uh, right. So we need to just be aware of that and, and really kind of discern and, and do our own research about nutrition. And it can be a chore, but I think that's the only way that we're actually going to find the truth is that if we dive deep into the, into certain research and then look for it ourselves and come to an informed decision, because I think a lot of people maybe aren't making informed decisions about whether it be food or whether it be about life. So They're just making choices that have been pushed onto them by as I said, media entities or, or, you know, personal, uh, personalities in in the media and things like that so so yeah it's about making those informed decisions
0: well I think we think of food as outside of almost like research and science in some ways like food is just food at least that's how I thought of it because even going to get my undergraduate degree learning about how to trust or not trust research and discern when to do that look at who's funding it
1: that's that that's the key one right there
0: right and I and in my head that made sense in like every other avenue yeah but i didn't connect it to oh who's funding that study that showed this new diet makes the most sense cuz in we, like you said we just learn that food is food
1: yeah exactly. so
0: that one really changed the game for me is starting to look at where those studies are funded yeah. and it's wild
1: yeah it's crazy and i think there was a recent one i think it was um talking about how people on a vegan diet are more prone to depression or something like that. But if you eat meat that you're, then you're not. And I was just like, let me go and have a look at this study just beyond the abstract. And then it, right. in the, uh, in the conclusion, it said something along the lines that there was an unrestricted grant from the national beef association or something wow. like along those lines. And it, makes, it just makes sense. You tie two and two together. But the problem is people who read that media article maybe wouldn't go and take that extra step to go and look at the research paper beyond the abstract and you know, go deeper into it. They're just gonna take it on face value and run with it.
0: And like you said, it's just, the headlines are such clickbait that then it gets shared. Exactly. It's it disseminated and then people are like, that's what they equate. Even if they don't read it, that peripheral kind of, oh, I saw that article and.
1: It was on the BBC, so it must be right. Look at this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's so interesting. I've seen a lot of this popping up again lately, which I love, but there's this idea of, like you said, even, and I thought the same thing when you start thinking about being vegan or plant based or even just eating healthier. Yeah. It's like, oh, where am I going to get my protein? Or, you know, what if I don't get all of this or whatever it is? But when I yeah. wasn't vegan, I knew nothing about nutrition. I couldn't have told you how much protein I was actually supposed to get or getting. But yeah. suddenly, when you're vegan, everyone's really worried about your protein intake. Or if you struggle with depression like I have, there's that, well, like, was it around when you started vegan? Mm. You know, and as if like, that's the only thing that could be affecting it and not all the other food or all the other parts of life or whatever it is, like really shouldn't be worried about like people eating Big Macs every day and the link to depression or it's wild how it suddenly becomes the scapegoat for all health problems.
1: It's very strange to think It's actually, you hit the nail on the head there when, you know, there's no, there's no questions when people are eating unhealthy processed foods, junk foods, you know, in these restaurants, no one questions anything when people are smoking, even though we see the, the clear link between smoking and lung cancer. Right. As soon as you change your diet, and let's, let's be clear, like you can obviously have an unhealthy vegan diet. Anyone knows. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's, that's, it's important to be clear but a healthy whole food plant based diet has clearly been shown to be a superior diet for health in so many ways. Mm -hmm. So, for some reason, people seem to equate, you know, everyone wants to become a nutritionist when you become (laughs) become vegan. It's so true. No one ever met, I I didn't even know what B12 was before I was on a plant-based diet, and I'd never heard of it. I'd never really focused on, I took maybe a multivitamin every now and again, but I wasn't so dialed in now with my nutrition um, in terms of knowing what nutrients I'm getting, where my food's being sourced from,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it's not again that i think for me it's not just about going plant-based it's about actually being really really diligent with how my nutrition is and obviously you know there'll be, there might be time i might have some vegan ice cream i might have a vegan burger from, on occasion because you've still got to enjoy it from time to time absolutely um but i've just got such a more of a rounded understanding of nutrition just how how uh, how well it impacts the body if you do it right
0: yeah i think that and that ties back to to this kind of consciousness and clarity of thought at least for me yeah is just understanding food more like there was this clarity of oh the judgment i had for those diets or just the misinformation i didn't know anything to the contrary though
1: exactly yeah like
0: i didn't know what b12 was either
1: this is the thing and i think it's it's been such a, a good learning journey to me as well just understanding um everything you know around my nutrition and it's not i i always look at different aspects of it as well I'm, I'm trying to take a real holistic approach to my nutrition i'm always going to believe that you know the plant-based diet unless the science radically changes and it shows that <laughs> it is you know great for you which i doubt that's ever going to happen mm-hmm. but it's always good to listen to other opinions and other you know points of view but to to come to to make an informed decision based on the research that i do um the people who i listen to uh who are you know pioneers in the space whether it's doctors or certain personalities who have a great understanding of plant-based nutrition doing the research myself um, and just yeah being being knowledgeable in the sense of in the sense that what I'm doing from a dietary perspective is really the best for my health but also the best for the environment and the animals as well
0: so when you started learning you said what the health was kind of your entry yes into how long did it take for you to kind of start diving into the animal rights issues or the environment after that initial health perspective?
1: The finding out about how animals are treated probably took another two months, I think. It was interesting because I actually, so I went plant-based, I was like, right, this is my health, civil rights issues, this is what I'm doing. And in that time, I'd actually bought a wallet, which was leather, Mm -hmm. but I've not really made the, it hadn't really clicked in terms of how the animals were then treated for like, for consumer goods and for food right. and how they're kind of, you know, how they, how they suffer essentially. Um, so now again, that's, that was another step in consciousness. So if I want to buy a pair of trainers now, for example, I'll always make a conscious decision. So there's, but there's loads of brands now that are bringing out vegan leather trainers, pineapple leather. So you don't actually have to contribute to that. Um, See, so as I said, I'd say it took another two months for me to really understand what was going on there. Then, you know, you watch all the Videos those in the slaughterhouses and how they're treated for, uh, for food, for consumer goods and those kinds of things. Um, again, so that was another thing that I wanted to kind of really get an understanding of and and, and know what was going on there.
0: So you mentioned growing up in an African household and how meat was really central when you went plant-based, did that confuse any family members or did you get any comments or anything? Or did, I'm curious how that felt, for you if if you want to speak to this from a cultural perspective Mm -hmm. because i know um i grew up in a small town in northern minnesota and so i think for a lot of people like hunting and fishing you know growing up doing those things that feel really central to your group of people which i did as well it's hard to want to step away from something that feels like it was a part of you but that's where I started to think about like even if I enjoy the time I spend with the people doing those things it was like the greater good thing started to kind of keep coming into my head keep coming into my head so how was that for you?
1: It's interesting actually my my parents thought I was really strange to start with (laughs) (laughs) why are you doing this blah 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 blah. and obviously I told them about the documentary I tried to get them to watch it they didn't really want to have any part of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, But I guess like, it kind of slowly got easier in the sense that my mom started getting more understanding of what I was doing. Like, when I was was living with her, she started, you know, she was still cooking me certain meals, but she knew to maybe add beans instead of meat. Um, So she was helpful in that regard. Um, Right. And then I mean, my, my dad was a little bit more stubborn because, I, as I said, he had a couple of cardiovascular events, one that was in my late teens and then another in my mid-20s. they were like mild heart attack and stroke.
0: Mm. And
1: so I really kind of wanted to push him in that, not push him, but kind of guide him in that direction of just reducing the meat consumption and just increasing the plants. Um, and he just wasn't really having any of it. Um, but I wasn't surprised anyway. I knew it would take time. Um, and interestingly enough, my parents are currently in Ghana at the moment. Um, and my mom actually called me maybe was it a month or two months ago. And she'd said that they'd actually stopped e- eating red and white meat. And then they were only eating fish by eating loads of different plant foods and, yeah,
0: oh, wow. and
1: that kind of stuff. And for me, that was a very, very big win. And a very it was a very surprising, but I was very happy to hear that because... It just shows, and this has obviously been three years in the making because I've been nearly three, <laughs> three years in August that I'll, since I went plant-based. Um, yeah, but for them making that change and making that decision to to move away from me, even if it's just for the time being, but I'd like to see I'd like to see it go, go on a lot longer. That's really right. amazing to see because not only they're going to be adding more years onto their life, they're going to be healthier, they're going to be happier. My dad was even saying that he felt lighter, he felt great, mm. you know, and just hearing those kinds of things was just it was music to my ears. So. do
0: you think the connection to your dad you anticipating maybe that taking a little bit more time is the tie to meat and diet and masculinity
1: um i'm not sure if it is with him it was maybe related to the masculinity element i think it's probably more the cultural side of things just okay eating meat is as a a ghanaian man you've got to do that you know it's Mm. just part of the culture it's ingrained in the culture um but i think as I said, my mum—I reckon my mum was probably the one who maybe was driving the, the the consumption of less meat and more plants, and obviously a little bit of fish in there as well. And obviously him on right. board, he would have probably been a bit uh, a bit of a tough nut to crack to get him to do it. But he's he's enjoying it, from what I've been hearing from him. You know, I speak to them regularly, so yeah, they're really happy about it, and obviously I'm just happy that, as I said, especially for my dad, where he's had certain health issues, you know, he's really going to be adding years onto his life.
0: That's amazing. Good for them. Yeah, definitely. So the vegan scene in the United States feels like it's been really booming mm. lately and options and options even at restaurants that you wouldn't expect to... I mean, just from a marketing standpoint, I think it's a smart idea to have those options, right? As it's part of the more the current conversation. How is it in the UK?
1: Yeah, it's definitely getting a lot bigger in the UK as well. You're seeing a lot of uh, pop-up, pop-up events that are starting. Most um, mm. vegan restaurants popping up, like there's really, really good ones in London now as well. Um, and yeah, as I said, certain restaurants you may not have thought would have had vegan options are now getting it at the very least one or two. And in most cases you have like a vegan section at most restaurants. So yeah, it's becoming really, really popular. Um, I think more and more people are doing it, more and more people are becoming aware of the reasons as to why. Um, I guess in terms of millennials, people wanting to have more of an impact on the greater good. So the environmental issues are something yes. that people focus a lot on when it when it comes to um turning to veganism. So yeah, as I said, it definitely is booming here. And I can only see it growing mm-hmm. as well.
0: That's amazing. It's on my list of places to travel once yeah. all this is over. So hopefully someday I get to check out the vegan scene there. Yeah,
1: definitely, I'm sure you love it for sure.
0: So I'm curious as one of the things I think you list on either your website or Instagram is at wellness advocate. Mm. So what is that mean to you Does that go beyond food or what does that what does that mean
1: yeah so i think because obviously diet is important but it's not the only thing that you should be doing to to maximize your health obviously i i um, I used to play football and travel to different countries to do it so like fitness from my perspective is, is a very important thing i always advocate for just consistently moving your body even if it's at a low level Um, If you think about some of the longest populations in the world in the blue zones, one of the things that they, is a staple for them is kind of low level exercise, but constantly. So they're constantly Mm. moving, constantly, whether it's gardening or going to see friends, they're always moving. Um, And, you know, in this kind of Western society where we're kind of chained to a lot of us are chained to our desks and we're sitting in a fixed position. That's not really how our body is supposed to be. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm very, very big on movement. Um, I think from like a self-care perspective when it comes down to like meditation or reading or mm. learning, um, whether it be, you know, getting your perspective from a book or doing something along those lines. Um, so, yeah, I think just being an advocate for that, because if you're going to put out a message, you have to obviously embody that message as well and do those things that you're encouraging other people to do. Um, so I'm always, you know, whether it be reading, I'm, I love reading always like training, keep myself healthy. Cause I want to, my aim is to live to over a hundred. I want to be one of those. That's <laughs> one of my aims in, in live over a hundred, but live a long, healthy life as well. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to just kind of be an advocate for that and put that information out there so people can make, you know, small changes in their daily life to, to kind of fuel them going forward.
0: Do you have a daily meditation practice or a regular practice that you rely on? Or? The thing
1: with meditation is that it's quite fleeting for me. Sometimes I'll, I'll be dialed in and I'll be doing it. But then other times I'll kind of just, you know, not really be doing it as much. But I guess sometimes I kind of see, for example, training. If I'm in the gym or I'm in the park training, I guess that's almost a form of meditation for me.
0: Just mm-hmm.
1: Get in my own space, not have to worry about anything and it's just me and the whether I'm on the gymnastics rings or whether I'm doing a run. Um, so I kind of see that as, as somewhat of meditation. And Sometimes even in the shower, I can just, you know, stand there and just kind of be still and that can maybe even kind of be a, a way of meditation for me as well. So I, I think when people think of meditation, it's they always think of sitting down in one place, you know, with their eyes closed. But I think it can take on numerous different forms. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's something that I, I want to do more of. And you know, me, me and my fiance, we do, we, we've occasionally done it. We've guided, meditation online, uh, guided meditations online, which which are pretty good, but definitely would like to get more of a routine going with it.
0: I'm so glad you said that because I... I'm definitely someone who sometimes like jumps all in and wants to do things perfectly yeah. and when I first started learning about meditation I i mean I do have a daily short practice mm. but I was so like it is sitting on your cushion and it is quiet time and when um, somebody in my life was like well I think of it more as when I like go for a walk I was like you're doing it wrong yeah You know, just coming from such a place of judgment as if I was any expert. But I'm so glad that you said that because it is so much more. It's really just about being present. And I think that's something that I've had to learn as well.
1: Exactly. It's just about being in that present moment. And that could be doing anything, essentially. It could be, as I said, training in the gym or whether it's going for a walk, for a run in the shower. Or you can be doing it sitting down as most people do. But it's just about finding that time to clear your thoughts. And if those thoughts kind of come back in your head, just kind of try and get them out or, or accept that they're there. But then kind of move forward and really just kind of get the understanding and clear your head and, uh, and go from there.
0: So has the way you slow down or become present or kind of drop into consciousness, has that evolved over time?
1: I think so, definitely. And I think especially after reading that book that I spoke about, um, the power mm-hmm.
0: of that,
1: that is definitely taught me a lot in terms of just being in this present moment because there's there can be a lot to worry about in this world whether it's you know things happening to people that you love or you know finances or whatever but just understanding that being in that present moment this is all we're going to have that's the best thing going forward because i think as humans we have a natural negativity bias to think of the worst thing that could happen so if we're thinking about an event in the future we're going to think of the worst case scenario and, that, mm-hmm. and it's often that we just make up like it's it's, it's, a, it's a scenario that's not even happened yet and we're just already you know terribly you know making ourselves terrified of it so
0: creating a whole story around something exactly,
1: something that hasn't even happened we're creating a, a big story about how you know you know we, we, things aren't going to go our way
0: i am excellent at that it is a practice <laughs> i am working through i am a i am a great story creator for things that have not happened Yeah,
1: i do, I do that sometimes but i've I've definitely got better at being able to discern that that's not like, that's a situation that hasn't even happened yet. So just focus on the present, do whatever you can as much as you can in the present and the future will ultimately take care of itself.
0: Beautiful. So is there anything that you want people to know about you that I haven't asked yet?
1: Um, I think we've covered quite a lot, actually. I think um, if we go back to even before, like the whole plant-based thing. I was in my I, I did touch on it briefly in terms of how I travelled a bit to play football. That was like my passion, my dream. Um, I didn't quite get what I wanted to get out of the game. Even though I travelled to a few places, I didn't, you know, play for the teams that I would have wanted to or have any longevity with that career. Mm-hmm. I think that made me quite bitter mm. in a ways because. It was, I, I almost felt a sense of, oh, I deserve this, I will like In terms of my talent, I knew that I had the talent to play at a great level, but I just didn't, you know, the pieces didn't go together for whatever reason. Um, and it made me quite a bitter person. I look back on it now and I, I'm obviously a much changed person and I owe a lot of that to, you know, meeting my fiance, who was very patient with me at the time. <laughs> um, and just having, just accepting a new perspective because I my my perspective was just football. And that was it mm. and nothing else. I didn't really want to think about anything else. And, you know, she kind of encouraged me to look at, you know, being the kind of person that you are, you can do so many other different things with your life. You can start writing, you can start, you know, doing this and that. And it was quite hard to let go of. Um, and when I started letting go, that was when like really amazing things started happening. You know, I obviously came across this, this lifestyle and mm. being able to people going forward. When I think before it was mainly about what can I get? I want to play football. I want to do this. I want to do that. But now it's more about, you know, how can I impact people? How can I provide people with information to live a healthy lifestyle? And for me, that's way, way more fulfilling than I think what I would have ever got if I'd got my way. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been, a, it's been a great journey. It's been a really impactful journey. Um, and, you know, I'm only just getting started as well. So
0: Letting go is when... Wonderful things started to happen. That's
1: quite beautiful.
0: I also really appreciate you being honest about that because I think we've all had those moments,
1: um,
0: whether they're moments or whether they're weeks or months or years or whatever it is, where you push through those feelings of, um, I guess, entitlement a little bit. Yeah. And. Being able to talk about that too is so important because when you think back on it, or I think back on some of those moments I've had, and just, you know, you just want to bury your head a little bit. But yeah. the way you talked about it is just it was a part of the journey and look what it did for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just important to recognize that, you know, it's when I look at how maybe I, I was in terms of my attitude and the language and the way that I spoke, it was always quite negative, it was always quite bitter, quite mm. angry. I think I, I, I like to look back on it because I like to see how far I've come. You know, and it's important to recognize that, you know, it's obviously maybe there were certain things that I wasn't proud of, but that was an important part, an important step in my life and maybe even a necessary step for me to take, for me to maybe not get something that I was so desperate to have. Right. But then see the process of letting go and now moving into a new, you know, stage of, of life and cultivating new dreams and, and, and things like that and wanting to impact people more. And I think that's, for me, that's the most important thing, just being able to accept that certain things in, the, in in your past are your past, but, you know, they've helped to shape me as a person going forward.
0: It must have been necessary because here you are, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't think I'd trade it for anything else, to be honest.
0: Oh, good. So where can people connect with you Cause they're going to want to after this interview.
1: <laughs> so my Instagram page, uh, Jeffrey Boydie. I'm sure you'll uh, hopefully put it in the show notes or something. Yes, I will. Um, I've got my blog page, which is the wealth of health. So Um I occasionally write articles for medium as well, um, but you can post some articles on my blog. Um, so yeah, my Instagram page, and my blog is where you'll find me. Um, yeah. Just continuing to put information out there so people can make, longer lasting changes to to maximize the health longevity and uh and the consciousness as well
0: and to live to be over 100 years old
1: and to live to be over 100
0: (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for talking to me today about all this this was so great and i hope we get uh chances to connect further in the future
1: well thanks for having me honestly i mean this is my first appearance on the podcast and obviously i couldn't have started in a better way so yeah really grateful that you've had me on
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Jeffrey's openness and vulnerability is really inspiring and something I hope to take from this. If you are enjoying listening to this podcast, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and please share with anyone you think would be interested. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, You might be a review of the week in one of my solo episodes. I started getting such lovely reviews that I thought they needed to be shared. So you might be read on air if you leave a review for me. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, and I will meet you here next week.